Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, a presentation of Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades, culminated his ministry with a 21-year book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called Life Study. This Life Study is the basis for our program today and includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's program. The Old Testament book of Exodus records the exodus or exit of God's people out of the bondage and slavery of Egypt. This is a marvelous type of our own salvation from the tyranny of sin and the world. Yet the actual exodus occupies less than half of the chapters in the book of Exodus. So what is the focus of the rest of the book? Stay with us today and we will discover far more than just our salvation from sin and the world on this Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program furnished by Living Stream Ministry. Once again today, we're pleased to bring you recorded portions from the 1981 Life Study of Exodus. And we're also pleased that Francis Paul is here joining us once again. Welcome, Francis. Thank you, Chris. It's very good and always is to be with you in these kind of discussions. Francis, as we reconvened our fellowship in the book of Exodus, we saw a little bit about God's revelation to Moses concerning the building of the tabernacle. This may be a fairly unfamiliar topic to many people. I wonder if you could just say a brief word about just what the tabernacle was in the Old Testament. Actually, it was the goal of Exodus. This tabernacle was a material building built out of specially designated materials that God revealed to Moses what to use and how to use it in detail. And when you get a picture of the tabernacle as a whole, there's an outer court with a wall around it, not a uh, board wall nor a stone wall, but a cloth wall. goes all the way around the outer court. And at the entrance, that is from the wilderness where the Israelites lived, coming into the tabernacle, there was an entrance there with a curtain. And when you come to that entrance, right inside, there is a uh, altar on which the sacrifices were actually killed and offered there. Then when you go from that altar toward the door of the tabernacle proper, still in the court right outside of the tabernacle proper, is a laver, that is a big bowl of water. That laver was what the priests washed in before they went into the tabernacle to do their service. Then when you go into the first part of the tabernacle, on the right there's a table, and it has 12 loaves of bread on it. And that's significant too, as we'll see. But when you turn left there, just the opposite side, there's a lampstand with seven lamps on it. Then when you turn back to the center and then go straight ahead from the door... You come to another entrance, but just before the entrance, there's another altar, a golden altar, on which certain offerings were made there also. Then, just inside of the veil that was covering that part of the tabernacle from the innermost part, as you come into that innermost part, there is an ark, not Noah's ark, but an ark that was made in a specific way out of a certain special kind of wood, acacia wood, and overlaid with gold. And it has over it a covering. 
and on the covering there are two cherubim, angel-like creatures, facing each other. This is also very significant, but to get the picture of what is here is helpful for our future. In that ark, there are certain elements that we'll discover later on. But this gives you a kind of a picture of what that tabernacle was like there in the wilderness, a very peculiar kind of tabernacle with certain coverings over the whole thing. And the outermost covering was a skin of some kind of sea animal. And it was rough to protect it from all the outward things, and it was not very attractive. But the inward part was full of attraction. There was an embroidery work on that curtain that I mentioned between the two parts, and there was uh, gold all over the place on the inside. So it's just really a glorious picture inside, but outside it doesn't look all that attractive. Let me ask you a quick follow-up. How about the tabernacle as it related ultimately to the temple of God? Well, eventually, the tabernacle was kind of a portable building, and there were multitudes of times when they took that down and took it to another place, according to the travels, because you know they traveled for 40 years in that wilderness with that tabernacle. And so there was a taking it down, putting it up, taking it down, putting it up, and there were detailed instructions of how all that should be handled as they went from place to place. But eventually, the goal was a permanent place, that would be God's dwelling place on earth. And that was called the temple. And the temple eventually replaced the tabernacle. And the ark was then put into the temple. And this temple also had these kind of divisions, the outer court, the holy place, and then the holiest of all, which was the innermost part of the temple. Well, Francis, you mentioned briefly some of the materials. That's really the focus of where we're going today. And we'll have several programs that relate to these materials as they were prescribed by Jehovah to Moses on the mountain of God, Mount Sinai, along with the giving of the law. Let's read a few of the verses from the beginning of Exodus chapter 25, and this is verses 3 through 8. And this is the heave offering which you shall take from them, and the them there is the children of Israel, gold and silver and bronze, and blue and purple and scarlet strands, and fine linen and goat's hair, and ram skins dyed red, and porpoise skins and acacia wood, oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense, onyx stones and stones to be set for the ephod and for the breastplate. And let them make a sanctuary for me, that I may dwell in their midst. Isn't that marvelous, Chris? These are the materials that I referred to, but uh, you have to get into the detail. And I like the idea of getting some kind of diagram into the hands of the listeners when they get these books, and they'll really be able to realize what kind of picture this is of New Testament truth. One of the aspects of this ministry that we treasure so deeply here, and I think our listeners are gradually learning to treasure as well, is how this ministry unlocks the riches that are contained in the details, even as uh, we're describing them in these materials. That's really going to be the nature of the life study of Exodus as we continue on and unfold this, as you said, the purpose of Exodus, the tabernacle of God. Let's join Witness Lee for this first segment today. The more we are in this world of Exodus, the more we love it. Because we discovered that this book is not only the book of Exodus, but the book of what? God's dwelling place. The title of this book, history tells us, was not given by Moses. When they put all this writing together, they gave 
a title to each book. This book is not consummately for Exodus. It is consummately for the building of God's dwelling place on this earth. The situation today is that nearly all Christians are here only for Exodus. They are not for the tabernacle. I don't think you can find a place that talks about the dwelling place of God even in this age on this earth. They all had the concept the building of God is in the heavens and by and by will be there. Exodus was over, completed in chapter 14. According to this title of this book, this book should only have 14 chapters. Yet many Christians' version of the Exodus just have about 14 chapters. Some experienced Christians did treasure the second part of this book. The first part is from slavery to Exodus, from chapter 1 to 14. The second is from chapter 15 to 24. From the seashore of the Red Sea, they were brought into the mountain of God to have a direct fellowship with God. That was intimate. These few chapters give us a full view of the fellowship of God's redeemed people with the redeeming God. God brought them all into his fellowship. Moses entered into the Sikana glory to receive the divine revelation. Here we begin to have chapter 25. Francis, though the title of this book is Exodus, strictly speaking, the Exodus out of Egypt was completed by chapter 14 of this 40-chapter book. This early portion is the portion that's most familiar, I think, to Christians. But should we, Francis, as God's people today, be satisfied just to experience our own Exodus? Just to be satisfied with that, Chris, really comes short. But I have to admit, I was there for years. I knew about the marvelous story of how the Israelites came out of Egypt and they escaped slavery and they were delivered. They got across the Red Sea and then the wilderness. And uh, that was all wonderful. But actually, that only explains the beginning portion of the Christian life. When you put the types into the portions here, you see that this is really a picture of our life. We got delivered out of slavery to sin. We got delivered from Pharaoh, who represents Satan, from his domain. We got in the wilderness, and hallelujah, that's good enough. But actually, that's not good enough because the rest of Exodus is leading us on to see the reality of God's dwelling place on the earth pictured by the tabernacle we talked about a minute ago. It's a wonderful picture. Of course, Witness Lee has mentioned that in the Gospel of John, where it says that the Word became flesh, many translations render the next word dwelt among us, but that word dwell is really the verb form of this same word tabernacle, who tabernacled among us. So the tabernacle is really God's dwelling place with man. Here's Witness Lee. 
all these materials are the materials for the building of God's dwelling place and all its furnishing. All these materials were not only things, matters, created by God. They were things gained, possessed, used, enjoyed, and experienced by the chosen people of God. God's chosen people have to labor to do something that they may get these things and gain these things and take full possession of these things and they may use these things and they may enjoy these things and they may experience all these things. Number one. Then number two, they offer these things to God for the building of the tabernacle. Right. And you know, in some of the offerings, some part was called the wave offering. Some part was called the heave offering. The wave offering signifies the Christ in resurrection. And the heave offering signifies the Christ in ascension. The one who is not only rising up and waving, but soaring up, ascending to the heavens above all. You and I have to possess Christ have to gain Christ, to experience Christ, to enjoy Christ to such an extent that is not only the resurrected Christ but also the ascended Christ. Not only Christ in resurrection like Paul says that I may know the power of his resurrection. Not only so but Ephesians 1 says what? He ascended to the heavens above all to be the head of all things to the church. So we have to experience this ascended Christ, this very Christ in the heavenlies, in ascension. After we experience him, he becomes our possession. He was not just some wonderful one made by God, but he was gained by us and possessed by us and experienced he became our, what? Possession. Particular, peculiar possession, peculiar title. Then we bring this Christ in the heavens, whom we have experienced, and offer him to God to be used for the material of building up God's dwelling place. This is the heave offering. Such a word implies a lot of experiences. Not just like the teaching, well, just gold, silver, these are types of Christ's virtues, Christ's attributes, Christ's person, Christ's work, and so forth. Uh, then, now we have to believe in Christ. We offer all these things to God, objectively, without experience. But no, all these should firstly become our possession. Should become things we experienced and we enjoyed. Now, these are our possession, not God. We can say to God, if we like, we give to you. If we don't like, we keep. We keep in our safe. But God, when we love you, we open up our safe. And we take all the things and bring all the things with the singing with praising, with the song of ascending, as some of the psalms, to Mount Zion. 
and I will offer all these things as he offered. Hallelujah. Francis, we've gotten quite experiential now in this portion. In Exodus 25, God calls for the offering of these specific materials that he prescribed for the building of the tabernacle. The point here seems to be that each of these materials represents a various aspect of our own experience of Christ. And just as the children of Israel had to first possess the materials before they could offer them, we also need to possess these experiences of Christ before we can offer them to God for the building of his dwelling. What does it mean that all the attributes, all the virtues of Christ, first need to become our possession? Actually, this is very experiential, and this is what is making this ministry so rich to us who have been partaking of it for these years, because all the detailed things here are representative of Christ and uh, certain experiences of Christ that we can pursue him for, we can enter into and enjoy him in these kind of ways. That is, all these materials, as he's described them, and as we will see even more in the next section, they're all very meaningful to our experience, so that when we experience Christ in his death, in his resurrection, even in his ascension, we are not merely hearing about these wonderful things as though they're historical facts, which they are, but they are not only that, they are subjective experiences. Christ is the real life-giving spirit who can make all of these things real to us. Here, to know that these attributes of God, which have been lived out in the virtues of Christ, are also available to us to be lived out in our life. As we contact the Lord in our spirit, we call on his name, and we are led into certain experiences of him. Uh, we may go through some suffering experiences that can be typified by the building work that takes place with the tabernacle. And all of this is just to bring us into the experiences of Christ for our personal use and for our enjoyment and our possession of Christ. Then, by possessing them, we can have something to offer to God of Christ. Christ is our offering up to God. Of course, when we're saved, we receive them in a certain sense, in an objective sense, and it's applied to our account. But there is this matter of possessing them in our experience. Do we really experience Christ as the silver, the redeeming one, and experience him in all these other rich details? This is really the possessing that we're talking about, isn't it? Yes, and I think if you get into this, and even if you read the messages in entirety, you'll see the meaning of all these different materials that are used for the building of the tabernacle. Spiritually speaking, that building comes out of our experiences of Christ, and that's what's offered up to God for his building. These materials for the tabernacle basically fall into three categories or kinds of categories, mineral, plant, and animal. Today in this last section, we want to look primarily at the first category, the mineral elements. Let's go back to Witness Lee. Hallelujah. What Christ is, what Christ has done, and what Christ is doing, and what Christ shall accomplish, needs these three categories of materials to portray. Minerals, like here, implies gold, silver, bronze, or copper, and then precious stones. All these are for building. Gold and silver and copper, bronze, 
and all the precious stones of our building. Minerals are categorized at the first class. Why? Because whatever Christ is, and whatever Christ did, and whatever he's doing, and he shall do, all are for what? For building. This is God's goal. Eventually, what came out of the divine revelation? The new Jerusalem. Then the new Jerusalem was built with what? Gold and precious stones. The Bible is divinely consistent. The entire Bible just reveals one thing. Even from these mineral materials, you can see God's building. Don't forget what Paul said. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, the unique foundation laid by me. You all have to build up upon this foundation. But take heed how you build. With what you build. You build with gold, silver, you see, precious stone. Again, Paul mentioned the same material. For the building of the church. But sorry to say, few are building God's house, that is the church, with precious mineral materials. The majority are building with what? Lots of wood. This is the best. The worst one, stubbles. There's stubbles. So, all these minerals signify that Christ is the building material. Ordained, prepared by God, but God cannot use it directly. God gave this Christ to you. You must gain him. Like Paul in Philippians chapter 3. Win Christ, gain Christ, obtain Christ. To, possess, to take possession of Christ. Get Christ, possess Christ, and you have to experience him. Then he becomes your possession. Not only in resurrection, but also in ascension. Then, when you come to the meeting, you bring this very Christ as the minerals, so precious, as treasures, possessed by you, experienced by you in resurrection and in ascension. You bring these materials to offer to God. You need to release the spirit with a real content. And that content is the very Christ. Not the objective Christ, but the subject to Christ, ordained, prepared by God, firstly, then you gain him. And you possess him. And you experience him. And you have him as your treasures. You could say, God, my father, I'll bring all these dear things and present to you. I tell you, these will be the materials for the building of the church. Well, Francis, we have to be impressed with this, that the materials that appear in the New Testament representing the New Jerusalem are essentially the same as the materials that God specified in Exodus for the tabernacle. Let's talk about this word that only the mineral materials are ultimately acceptable for the building up of God's house. What does this indicate as far as we're concerned? I think Paul gives us the answer in chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians when he says, it matters how we build and with what we build. 
And of course, this is spiritually applied. If you build with gold, silver, precious stones, those are the same kind of materials that were used in the tabernacle. And spiritually, it means gold is God's nature. Silver is the redemption of Christ. And the precious stones is the work of the Holy Spirit. Too many people build with the other part of that verse, wood, hay, and stubble, which will not match God's building. So we do need all these experiences of gold, silver, and precious stone as building material for God's house. I wish we had more time to get into this aspect. We spent uh, quite a bit of our time today in a kind of an introductory way, and I think that's appropriate. We need that particularly now as we're re-embarking on our journey with the children of Israel in Exodus, particularly centered around the tabernacle. But we'll come back to these matters, the gold, the silver, the precious stones, certainly before we finish this uh, marvelous life study, the one of Exodus. Thank you for being here, Francis. Thank you for listening today. I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee spent seven decades in the 20th century speaking Christ, first in Asia and then North America, eventually all over the world. The culmination of those 70 years of ministry was his Life Study of the Bible, an exhaustive exposition of the entire scriptures. This unique commentary focuses on how Christ can be life to man in an experiential and practical way. These programs encapsulate Witnessly speaking in just 26 minutes. But to get the complete riches, visit lifestudy.com. From there you can read all of the Life Study messages in their entirety or download any of our more than 1,700 audio programs at no cost. Again, that website is lifestudy.com. Thanks for listening.